Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. If you're not a farmer, it can be difficult to really understand their lives and their viewpoints. In his book, The Wisdom of Dirt, A Farmer's View of How Life Is from a Tractor Seat, author Charles Pike tells you all about it, and he's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Charlie, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. So can you tell me about Wisdom of Dirt? Well, the Wisdom of Dirt, certainly if you have not read a little bit about it, I am a fourth generation farmer. It spans back there into the late 1870s, and Mm -hmm. my son has taken over being the fifth generation. And so really the life of a farmer is is all I've known, being close to the dirt and, and raising the crops and animals. It's been an enjoyable run. So what gave you the inspiration to get this on paper and then get it published? Well, certainly as you grow older, your your children grow older and you try to instruct them of some wisdom, just like all parents do, I hope. Then as they grew older and we got to have grandchildren, you know, some of them are so young and I'm fairly old. I'm in my 70s now. And I really worried about some of the things that I felt about the topics in the book wouldn't be passed along quite as I thought of them. So I uh, was encouraged by my wife to sit down and start, you know, writing some of this stuff down. And I did. It's taken me a while to finish the book over several years, but the real instigator to, to finish and to get the book published was my oldest grandchild, a daughter, the two, or a granddaughter, excuse me, that's in Iowa State right now. She read an early view of it and insisted that I get it published. Hmm. So have you been a writer throughout your life, or is this a fairly recent thing you've taken up? As far as writing, certainly books or things, this is my first. I am somewhat of a, I'll say the word, public speaker in that I've been on a lot of church boards as chairman. And so you get a little writing done then. Hmm. And certainly foremost, my mother was an English teacher, so I learned how to write fairly well as, as, as a youngster. Yeah, I'm sure. So what was the most challenging part of writing the book and publishing the book? The most challenging part certainly is there's a million topics that you would love to pass on your opinion, or in my case, I use the word wisdom, to your grandchildren. Hmm. And I started by literally grabbing a piece of paper and spent, I don't know, I'm sure it was probably months, unfortunately, writing down just individual words Hmm. on a piece of yellow tablet. And eventually, once I had a fairly long list, I looked at them and tried to cross out the what I felt was duplicates and end up with a list that at least gave me a beginning. From there, I started in. Wisdom of Dirt is a great title. Can you tell me what the metaphor is there? Well, As all farmers will tell you, that dirt literally does rule their life, and it has challenges that are brought on certainly by weather, 
which dominates everything. And there's a lot of difference between dry dirt and wet dirt mm-hmm. and all of the shades in between. As it goes from ultra dry to ultra wet, those challenges give you a chance to learn another slice of wisdom of how your life is impacted by these changes. You know, I just felt there was enough correlation between the challenges of farming and the challenges of life in general that I used the dirt as my medium to pass along some of those challenges and wisdom. Mm. So would you do another one? Would you consider writing another book? You know, I have, I have given it some thought. I don't know whether I'll ever get that accomplished or not. Certainly, if I decide to write another edition of this, it certainly won't take me as long because I kind of understand the process and, and what it entails. But there is, there's always, I don't know whether you have children or grandchildren, but you know, there's always one more thing you'd love to pass on to your family. Mm. So yeah, I very well may take the time to try to get out another edition with some different perspectives on other things that I've thought of. Now, if you had one piece of advice, one word of wisdom to give to aspiring authors who are looking to get their first one out there, what would you say? Well, certainly patience is one. And also uh, never give up on thinking that what you have to say through a written word may not be accepted properly or whatever. You know, in today's world, I would like to say it's easy enough to get published, but it's really not. But then again, there's a lot of fine publishers out there. Certainly Christian Faith Publishing helped me along the way and was very easy to work with. But never give up. Never give up your dream. It's worth the effort. Hmm, that's great advice. Now, something a lot of writers talk about is getting writer's block. Has that ever happened to you? No, no. My topics, I had, I had way more topics than what I covered in this book. And there was always something to write about. But really, I think what gave me more of a challenge was, you know, you throw out a word such as patience. Well, there's a lot of difference in how you look at the word patience and what it means to you and how you've dealt with it. Sometimes that gave me a little bit of a challenge. But no, I wasn't lacking for material. Are you much of a reader yourself? Oh, yes. I read constantly. I read lots of books, fiction, nonfiction, legal thrillers to nonfiction of One of the couple that have really stood out, The Boys in the Boat, which Mm. talks about the nine young men that made the 1928 Olympics, and and another one called The River of Doubt, which talks about Teddy Roosevelt and his son's journey down into South America, finding a fantastic book. Yeah, a river that they didn't know existed. So just reading in general, I think, broadens one's perspective. You don't need to think, you need to read something of quote, substance. Anything will do. It helps you with your vocabulary. Absolutely. Well, Charlie, thank you again for being here. The book is Wisdom of Dirt, A Farmer's View of How Life Is from a Tractor Seat, written by Charles Pike, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for your reading material. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore as well. Well, Charlie, thank you again for being here. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you for having me. Alcoholism is often a destructive cycle, and it's not easy to break that cycle. Author Kathy Stewart tells her inspiring story in her new book, One Fell Off the Merry-Go-Round, Surviving Alcoholism in a Dysfunctional Family. 
I'm talking with Kathy right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you, Corey. I'm happy to be here. Uh, your life has been an interesting one, to say the least, and your story is truly inspiring, and that's what this book is about. Can you tell us about it? Yes, Corey. This book is about growing up in an alcoholic dysfunctional family. It's a very true heart book of a family that kept such good secrets and secrets that led me to follow the same dysfunctional path of alcoholism, that downhill spiral that ultimately landed on the same merry-go-round that I never, ever wanted to be on. So how'd you get the idea or even the courage to write your story out and then tell it to the world? Well, it took many, many years of work on myself and therapy, support, learning about alcoholism, going to meetings. And I finally realized that there are so many people in my position in the same situation that are terrified to actually admit for fear of acceptance, lack of self-worth, self-love, and they repeat those destructive ex escapes and end up in dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships within the family. And that's what I did. I got on the ride and I was on it for many years and I decided to grab those reins and ride that horse off. And I hope that people that read my book will do the same. Well, thank you for telling your story and, again, having the courage to tell it to everybody and reaching out to help others. It's, it's quite a great heart. About how long were you working on it? It's been in the works for about 15 years. I would start it and stop it because it was painful to write. Mm. I admit that. But it was also very therapeutic and very healing. And I figured that once I got it out there and was vulnerable, that that story will help other people. And that's ultimately my goal, was to, to help others feel like they're not alone. I think that's the most important thing, especially when you're coming out of an addictive situation, that you realize that, hey, there are other people out there who are just like me. Even though you feel so alone, so much of it is just knowing that others are fighting that same battle in that similar situation that you are. Yes, for sure. And so that's what you're doing with this book, and I just think it's simply wonderful. So is this your first book? Yes, it is. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I've always had that urge and excitement to write. I, I always loved writing, and I thought, you know what? Why not put this gift into action so to not only heal me, but heal others as well? Hmm. What'd you learn along the way, especially when it came to getting it ready to be published? You got to go through the editing and then choosing a cover and a lot of nuts and bolts. What was that like for you? That was really interesting, a very interesting experience. Since it was my first book, I didn't really know all the process. And it was very enlightening to know how many editing situations I had to go through to get it to be the way I wanted it to be. And the cover, you know, I was guided through that through Fulton Books Art Department, and they were phenomenal. It is beautiful, yeah. Mm-hmm. They helped me. Um, I have a childhood friend who helped me with the back cover. He was an inspiration to me, and they helped me put his work and their work together into ultimately into the uh, cover that they designed, which is exactly what I wanted. Well, so would you say the hard work paid off in the end then? Yes, it did. Do you have advice now for somebody who was maybe where you were right before you published the book? They're like, I have this book. I want to finish it and get it published, but I don't know. I need something else. Do you have any encouragement, any words of wisdom for these aspiring authors? 
Just to not be afraid to take the leap. One thing that I feared was actually putting my work out there and, you know, the fear of acceptance, the fear of being so raw and vulnerable. But ultimately, it was such an empowering experience. And now that it's completed and out there, and I've had some feedback about how amazing the story is, I feel phenomenal that it's great work. And you just have to believe in yourself and go for it. Kathy, as you were writing this, you know, oftentimes you said it was hard because of all the pain you went through. But in writing in general, do you ever hit a place where, man, you want to write, but the words just aren't coming out? Almost, a, you know, a writer's block kind of thing and where you're stuck. Then do you have something to get yourself going again? Yes. You know, one thing that I used when I was going back and writing and putting things in sequential order of events, because this is from my childhood on. I would go back to things I had written years ago and reread them and for inspiration. And I'd also pick up books, you know, of similar inspiring stories to help me, you know, guide me into the right direction where I wanted to go with the book. Would you say there's a person in your life who's been most supportive and, and most encouraging, maybe motivational to you? Yes, it's my mother. Mm. I honestly have to say my 85-year-old mother who has such a beautiful spirit. This story is not only about me surviving this and going through what I did, but it's also speaks the truth of her story mm -hmm. because it's about a family for years and years going through the dysfunctional motions of being on that spiral merry-go-round and just going in circles constantly and repeating everything over and over again. And mom has always been a rock regardless of you know what she's gone through and survived she's been there for me all the way how wonderful now uh, would you do it again would you go through the publishing thing maybe get another book out there yes um i have a few ideas and a few things in the works uh, a few things i've been um mulling around and trying to get started so yes hmm. definitely most definitely it's been a re really rewarding experience that's what i was going to say i hope you do keep writing because it sounds like it's been so rewarding got to keep it up. Thank you. I, I plan to. The name of the book is One Fell Off the Merry-Go-Round, Surviving Alcoholism in a Dysfunctional Family. It's written by Kathy Stewart, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, your traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for talking with me tonight. I had a really good time chatting, and thank you for having your heart to reach out and help others. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for having me, and I truly hope that I inspire many people. Thankless. Exhausting. I've often heard these words used by church leaders to describe how they feel about their work. Author John Messer brings new insights to frustrated churches and their leaders in his new book, Burnout or Breakout. Systems Thinking for Stifled Leaders and Stuck Churches. John's joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. John, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thanks. I appreciate it, Corey. This book sounds really interesting, like it's confronting a very real problem in churches. Can you tell us about it? Absolutely. And as I read about the statistics about pastoral leadership specifically, but church leaders in general, what we're finding is that burnout is not is another pandemic that is going on around us. Mm -hmm. 
it's unfortunately quieter. So yeah, the, I think that this book is addressing a real issue. It certainly was an issue for me since I went through a burnout period in my first ministry. Wow. So how long were you working on the book? It took me about a year uh, to do the research and get the writing done. Hmm. Was this your first endeavor into writing or have you been doing this a while? It is. This is my first book. I've done a lot of writing, but no books. And so, uh, yeah, putting it together was an interesting task. It definitely was a lot more rewarding than I thought it would be. Wow, that's fantastic. It, it's a lot of work and it takes a long time often. And I don't think a lot of people realize that when they go into it. What was the biggest challenge that you had along the way? I think probably the biggest challenge was knowing just how much of my own story to tell in this mm. and then how to incorporate the systems theory and systems thinking tools that people need to be able to apply this to their own situations. And so kind of walking that fine line between personal and yet theoretical and practical yet hypothetical. And what is it about systems thinking that you think will bring about such change? Well, I have to back up one step and say, you know, most, well, every Western person has been raised to think linearly. That's the scientific way. So we see a problem and we see then a solution. We apply a fix and then that's the end of the process. It's kind of assumed that because we have applied this fix that that's the end of it and the problem will be solved. There's another way of thinking and that's systems thinking and that's recognizing that because everything is interrelated and parts are interdependent, that any time you apply a fix or a new policy or a change, not only will it impact that one part that you're trying to impact, but it will also impact every other part. And in a social system like a church, that's a critically important understanding to have. It's a new perspective, basically, that you learn in systems thinking. Now, this is certainly aimed at churches in general, specifically their leaders. So was that who you were aiming for, more so church leaders than actual congregation members? I'm aiming first at church leaders, but I'm hoping that uh, just congregation members, just Christians in general, will read this as well, because most Christians, in my opinion, don't understand how churches really work. Hmm. We talk about the church as if it is a system. You know, we talk about family and we talk about it as a body and each part doing its work. That's very biblical. And we talk about it that way. But when we start to act in a system, we tend to act more like it's a toaster than a church. We think that we can just find the faulty piece and replace that piece, and then everything will work perfectly again. Well, that's just not how churches work. As mm. part of that, maybe the churches, the congregations, Christians' expectations of church leaders almost hold them to almost an unattainable standard. Absolutely. And my foundational text that I use in the book is Exodus 18, the interaction between Jethro and Moses. And that passage is a very deep, rich passage, and it talks very much about that very thing. You know, Christian leaders, whether they're elders or deacons or team leaders or pastors, are in ministry because they believe very strongly that they've been called and they're trying to be faithful. And so very often they take on more responsibility and they want to meet those expectations. But what that does is set up a very negative reinforcing cycle, which is destructive to the system. Hmm. So would you consider writing another book? 
I'm working on a companion piece to Burnout and Breakout. I'm working on a workbook that will go along with this so people can work step-by-step through the concepts. Fantastic. Would that be aimed more at a group work or an individual study? Aimed at individuals. They can work through it individually, but I'm hoping that there will be a conversation that starts. I've done a couple groups, and it actually is better in groups. Hmm. So now that you've been through this for the first time, you learned a lot about the writing process, the publishing process, and everything involved. What advice would you give to aspiring authors? I think the most important part is to write from your life. I think that when you do bring yourself to the writing and when it's coming out of who you are and what you've been through and and maybe something that God has shown you about what can be better and maybe what God has done through those times, I think that reality and that authenticity comes out. And, and that's really what people need at this point. And, and it makes it a lot more meaningful for you. Even when you're writing about some theory and some hypotheticals, it makes it much more meaningful when you can apply that and show people that God used all those things in your life. So, so write from who you are. Hmm, that's great advice. Now, John, every once in a while, I hear from an author who says that they sat down, they wrote their book from beginning to end. The words just flowed so easily, and it was a great process. <laughs> but that is a rare, rare thing. People hit writer's block. They stumble. They get stuck. How are you as a writer? <laughs> yeah, I would not be the uh, one for whom everything flowed. <laughs> I, I, it's fits and starts, fits and starts. I had the tyranny of the blanks, blank page quite a bit, primarily because going through it the first time, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to flow and whether I'm going to have too much or not enough. And so, yeah, I, I definitely had a fits and starts experience. A lot of research that I had to do in areas that I hadn't really thought of uh, as I was going. So what do you do when you get stuck? Take a break, go outside, go for a walk, come back in and then think, okay, who else has who else has dealt with this? Where have I seen people who've talked about this? Mm. And then just reprime the pump. For me, that's Doris Kearns Goodwin or Peter Senge or David McCulloch, something like that. Mm. Well, the book is called Burnout or Breakout, Systems Thinking for Stifled Leaders and Stuck Churches. It was written by John Messer, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, your traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. John, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for telling me about the book. I had a really nice time chatting. Thanks a lot, Corey. I appreciate it. It's the story of miraculous healing and faith through difficult times. It's called The Season of Change, and it's the new book by V.K. Sales. V.K. Vonda K. is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Vonda K., thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. Oh, it truly is. It sounds like your book is truly a wonderful story. So can you tell us about it, The Season of Change? Yes, this book is about how God healed me and how I had to get myself together because we see movies and stuff about people that's had diseases like alcoholism and drug addicts. But what we don't see is people, how they recovered from heart attacks and strokes. Mm. And this is what inspired me through my doctor. Wow, that's a really interesting perspective on things. So about how long were you working on this? It was after I had went to see my doctor and he asked me, did I keep a journal? 
And I told him I did. And he said, do you have a computer? And I said, yes. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write down everything that happens to you every day that will exercise your brain. And I asked him, I said, everything? He said, yes, because we need to know how you're doing, whether it's good or bad. And that's how this book started. It started out as a journal, but as the format that it took, it turned into a book. So is this your first book? Have you written before? This is the very first one. And that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, what was the feeling like? Like, you're a first-time author, and finally you got the book in your hands. Uh, what were you feeling? When I got the book in my hand, I cried. Mm. Because this is something that I created, and now that I'm seeing it in print, that's what makes it so special. So now that you've been through that, you've been through the writing and the publishing and all the things that are involved in that process, do you have advice now for aspiring authors who are looking to embark on this journey for the first time? I wrote this book because I wanted people to see that God is real. God gave man knowledge, but man did not save me. My God saved me. It was my faith in God that I knew that I'd be healed. And the point is, is that God did not take my mobility. He did not take my speech, but I did lose my memory. Hmm. We see people that have amnesia. I get it. I lived it. And this book was written when I didn't have a memory. I didn't know what I was doing. And it's just the Lord, just give me the words to put down on this paper. And that's what he did. I knew there was misspelled words. I knew the punctuation wasn't right. Hmm. But all I could hear is that my mom's voice, and she would call me Von Decay, whether I was in trouble or not, she would call me Von Decay, and she said, Von Decay, you can do this. I'm here with you. And mind you, my mother's passed away. That was the inspirational part of it because I could hear my mom's voice. And I know people might think this is strange, but as I was sitting at my computer desk writing, tears were just rolling down my face, and I couldn't get it together. I said, Lord, just give me the words to put down on this paper. And next thing I know, I could hear Jesus loves me. This I know. And I started singing the words. And next thing I know, I had written three pages within that little instance. Wow. What an amazing story. Now, you mentioned something that's important, I think, and that's journaling and how through journaling it sort of evolved into a book. So how difficult was it to take those journal entries and then edit it down and, and get it ready for publication? Was that a hard process? Because it sounded like it just sort of went that way. It did just sort of go that way, but it was very hard because as I spoke about it, I didn't know what I was doing. My words were all misspelled and I was embarrassed because the things that I knew I knew, it wasn't there anymore. I lost my memory and it was just a hard time trying to get myself situated where I could function. But Again, my faith in God and a brother that took extremely good care of me, it was just amazing. It was just truly amazing. Did you have times where you sat down to journal, sat down maybe to work on this book, and you wanted to write, but you had trouble getting the words out? Maybe you just didn't know what to write. Maybe you just couldn't find the words to express your thoughts. Yes, there were a lot of times. Mm. There was a lot of times like that, and the frustrating part was that I couldn't remember how to spell things, and I don't know if that's because, well, I do know. It was because I had the stroke and my memory was gone, but it was just amazing how 
when you ask God for something, you got to be ready for him to give it to you. Mm. And you got to be ready to receive it. Mm. And that's how all of this came into play. Well, Von Kay, thank you so much for writing your story in this book. It's called The Season of Change. It's by VK Sales and published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books. You can find it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play, down the street at your local bookshop as well. Yvonne Decay, again, thank you so much for talking with me tonight. Thank you for writing your story, for inspiring people, and for looking to help others through everything that you've been through. I had a great time talking with you tonight. Thank you all so much. It was such a pleasure of mine. The Case Against Satan is the new book out by Musette Morgan that she describes as a guide for the second coming of Christ. I'm really happy to be talking with Musette here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Musette, thank you for joining me tonight. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Can you tell me about the book, The Case Against Satan? Well, The Case Against Satan is a guide to prepare for the second coming of Christ. It's about our personal responsibility to get away from the lie and head toward the truth. What gave you the idea or the inspiration to write this out and then go get it published? Well, the idea basically came through prayer. It was something that Jesus had led me to my entire life. And I got to the point where I was getting old and I said, well, nobody is listening. So maybe I should write this down. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to live forever. And so I decided in 2018 to start writing things down. I had kept journals. And so I started writing things down to make sure that everyone would know what to do after I was gone. Hmm. And sure enough, I ended up with cancer. Oh, my. But I beat it. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And so this is to prepare for the second coming of Christ. Oh, that's, that's quite wonderful. And wow, what a wonderful story you have right there of beating cancer. That's fantastic in and of itself. So have you written before? Is this your first book? Well, this is my first book that was published. I had another book that I had written, but I didn't take it to the publishing point. When I was in college, I was published by my English teacher. So she's the, she's the one that let me know that I could write, you know? Yeah. But this was the first published work that I have done. Wow. Congratulations now on this, this first published book. That's a big deal. What was the feeling like when you, when you got that first copy in, you actually held it in your hands and it was a real thing? Oh, it was so much joy. Actually, my son had gone to the mailbox. He just went to pick up the mail and he brought it in. My daughter was here and we just celebrated and rejoiced and jumped for joy. And we had a steak dinner that night. We went out for steak. And uh, we were just so happy that the world would know what the Lord is looking for in the last days, that we are to head towards righteousness, head towards the cross. And if we can head towards that and get there, once we get there, we need to stand. Well, getting your first one out there certainly is the cause for celebration. It sounds like you did it right. So now that you've gone through it, and I'm sure you've learned an awful lot in the process, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? For aspiring authors, I would say to everyone, go with what's in your heart. The reason why I think this book is successful is because it was in my heart. It was in my heart for years. Mm. I also suggest that 
you journal. Yeah. And you journal your thoughts about what's in your heart. And I also suggest that when you begin to write the book, that you actually outline what your thoughts are. And so when I began to write the book, I knew I wanted to talk about righteousness because righteousness leads you to the cross, which leads you to the new heaven and the new earth. I knew I wanted to talk about baptism because baptism means you want to shed that old person. You believe Jesus died for your sins and you want to get up and live your life for Christ because you know that's where salvation is. And so love was important. Truth, of course, opens the book up because we're in a world, we're in the world of lies. Mm. Satan is a liar, you know, and the author of it, Jesus said. And so we want to make sure that we stay with the truth, with the written word, with what Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit will give us the interpretation. Every time man gets into something, Satan has the opportunity to get into it with him. When we go straight to the word, straight from Jesus of Nazareth, and straight from the Holy Spirit, we will end up with salvation and righteousness. Hmm. Uh, Would you do this again? Would you write another book and get that one published? Yes. You know, I would write that one, and I would get the one published that I already wrote, which is also probably a very good book. You know, you don't really know you have a good book until somebody reads it. Then they tell you, oh, this was really good. You know, so when people read it, then I knew One person said, there's nothing out there like it. So every question you might have about the second coming of Christ is in the book. The answers to your questions are in the book. There's nothing out there like it. I'm not saying what other people are saying. I'm only saying what Jesus told me to say. And it's not what other people said. And then I'm an educator and a musician. And so the music... And the science and the math and all the things that I taught are intertwined in how I present what the Lord told me to say. And he's saying it because he loves us and he wants us to come back home. You've got a great perspective, very unique perspective that you're coming from there. I I really admire that. You said this book was born out of the journaling that you had been doing up to that point, and and that's where you got a lot of this from. So how hard of a process? Was that easy to take your what you wrote in your journal, then put it into book format, into the format that people would want to read to get published? It was very easy, and this is why. And I want everyone to know this information, because I would like, I think the Lord would like, Jesus of Nazareth would like for everyone to start journaling, because we're in the last days. And you need to see how things unfold. When I was writing the book, and he would put in my mind an event that happened in my life when he had taken me to a scripture. And then in order for me, because it was so many years, because I started journaling when I was about 35 or 40, and it had been so many years, he would say, he would let me know what year it was. Hmm. And all I'd have to do was go to the year. So every year, including 2021, I have written in a journal. And what happens is you go back to that thought, And then the year comes because you know what happened around that time. And there it is right there. And it's beautifully done in time. So journaling helps you to find your information in time. I will second that. I think that's one of the foremost things that can help writers that just want to get better at writing or they want to get more ideas out there. Just start journaling. Just start writing anything down that you have in your head that you're thinking and feeling. Right. Whatever your topic is. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Musette, thank you for writing this. It's called 
The Case Against Satan, written by Musette Morgan, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, down the street at your local bookstore, everywhere that you normally shop for your reading material. Musette, thank you again for coming on the show here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. I had a good time too, Corey. Take care now. Start walking in faith. Children get to join a shark as they learn about friendship in the new book by Lee Wolber, titled You Can't Judge a Shark by Its Cover. Lee's joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Lee, thank you for joining me tonight. Well, thank you for having me. I love the premise for this book. Can you tell us what it's all about? Well, it's actually about a shark that wants to go to a fish park, and like Disney World Park, and finds himself not being welcome. And he uses his cleverness to try to gain access, and things transpire that he ends up becoming a hero, despite uh, people rejecting him at the park. Wow, what a, a great story that's an allegory for friendship, and uh, children sure need that. What gave you the idea for this? How did that book come about? Well, basically through uh, life experience. There's so many people out there, groups of people, uh, especially children, that try to be accepted. A lot of times they're shunned or uh, discriminated against because of how they look or what they're wearing or how they feel about things. I saw that numerous times in what I did for a living and graduated into a story and wanted to pursue it and ended up making a book about it. Now, the fish motif with the shark as your protagonist, basically, is really fun. Was there anything in particular behind that setting? No. It took place in the ocean, and it was just the majority of the fish definitely looked different than uh, Steve the shark. Mm. It's uh, how they wanted Steve to conform mm. and to be accepted, and just a message of uh, being who you are. The peer pressure or the bullying that goes on today. Be confident in who you are and push that forward. Oh, great message. And certainly confidence is something that we need to uh, nourish and develop in children. About how long were you working on this? It took about a year, being that I did the artwork itself also. Oh, wow. I'm the illustrator. I had the story. It was just a matter of doing a storyboard and deciding which pictures I wanted on each page. And But it took about a year. Hmm. Have you done this kind of thing before? Yes. I have uh, one previous book that's out titled Porcupine Polly Needs a Hug, mm. another friendship premise. And it's a great feeling to finally put it together and you see it in children's hands. Mm. But what age range of children do you think would get the most out of it? From four to eight to nine, depending on the reading level, I added a feature in both my books that you have to find a, a certain creature on each page. They're hidden. Uh, it brings back to like, like the highlights books, if you're familiar with those. Oh. And so it's almost interactive for even the young kids right. if they can't read oh, yeah. the artwork and trying to find that creature has been really a lot of positive feedback on the parents and their little children just loving trying to find the creature. It's like an added bonus you put in there. And, and I know as a child, I would love little things like that, finding little yeah. treasures that were hidden away for us. Most definitely. So what advice now would you have for aspiring authors who are looking to get their book out there? Uh, I would encourage them to just continue to push towards their dreams. Whatever those ideas are, 
whatever those stories are, nothing is too far-fetched. It's just uh, when you put that on paper and you work with it and that story comes to life, I would just say continue to go for it. Go for it. Do you have plans for another one after this? I think I do. I have a lot of ideas. I have a dream book. A lot of my ideas come from just dreams, Hmm. and I write them down. So it's just finding the time right now. I still work full time, and I've sort of done these two as a hobby, believe it or not. Hmm. One of these days when I feel I'll be able to put all my effort into it, I'm looking forward to that and getting those, those stories out. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun with the writing, and the whole thing just comes really easily for you. But do you ever get stuck? Do you ever get writer's block? Yes, I do. Uh, Yes, I do, actually. It's a combination of my artwork, and when the paints aren't flowing, you hear that, or exactly like a writer's block. Yeah, I've been in one of those in light of just the atmosphere of our our world right now. hmm. But no, that, that will change. Looking forward for it to start to flow again. Now, being that you wrote the story and you drew the illustrations, did those two feed into each other, or did you have the story first and illustrate it afterwards? How did that work? Uh, well, this book, um, I've had the story for a long time. My son is a teacher, and he's given me the opportunity over the years to go in and teach his classroom. Hmm. And I would act out this shark story with stuffed animals and role play with the children. Each one would be a, one of the fish. Hmm. So it was just a gradual thing to start, let's make make a real book about it. So the story was already there. I just had to put it to rhyme, and the characters were basically right there for me. So this was very easy. Well, congratulations on having this out there, Lee, and and thank you for using all of your talents. Well, two of them, anyhow, that we know of now, (laughs) to send an important message for children. Again, this book is called You Can't Judge a Shark by Its Cover written by Lee Wolber, published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere that you shop for books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshop as well. Lee, thank you for coming on the show here tonight. I had a really great time talking with you. Thank you so much. Author Lisa Y. Lomelli has a new children's book out now. It's called Positively Optimistic. Lisa's right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Lisa, thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me, Corey. Could you tell me what Positively Optimistic is all about? Well, it's about a little girl that is looking forward to a flawless birthday party, and many things go awry for her. But in the end, there's a positive message, and it's a message about hope and sense of humor and looking forward to the brighter side of things. How did you get the idea to write this? Well, I would say that life perhaps gave me the idea. Um, You know, it's a tough year for for all of us. It's a difficult year, Mm -hmm. and we have all been faced with challenges. And so um, I believe in our mindset and looking forward and being optimistic. So I got this idea based on children. My grandchild is is one that influenced this story, and uh, it came to fruition, and I'm so very proud of it. Was there a specific age range of children you had in mind when you wrote this? Well, Corey, you know, I didn't. I believe that it's it's been written not just for children, but for the adults that are perhaps reading to their child. Hmm. 
and any parent that comes across the material. Have you ever written a book before? Have you been published? This is actually my first publication. I'm very proud of it. Wow, you should be. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, was it an easy process for you overall? It, it was. It, it, um, I, I learned a lot. There's, there was much to learn, mm. but overall it was a relatively easy process. It was just stopping the procrastination, and it's been a passion of mine for many years. And um, I did procrastinate, but eventually it came to fruition. And I, I believe that everything has a timing. So it, it's a good year to bring something like this to the world in, in today's climate. When you find yourself stuck, when you find yourself procrastinating, do you have a strategy, maybe a kind of a way to get yourself started up again? You know, I, I think it takes stepping away from the hustle and bustle of life and searching within and, and um, recognizing our passions and those things that really tug at our heart. I think that's when we just realize that, you know, that there's something there that needs to be birthed. Now, if a first-time author came to you and said, hey, you just got your first book out there, do you have any advice? What would you say? Be take the time, you know, step, step away and take the time. Lead with your heart. And, that, you know, there's, we all have a message, I believe. And so timing is everything. You know, listen to your heart and listen to the nudging and just, just go forward. Oh, that's really good advice. This is called Positively Optimistic by Lisa Y. Lamelli. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it everywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere you shop for books. Well, Lisa, thanks again for stopping by the show here tonight. I had a really good time talking with you. Likewise, Corey. Thank you so much. Author Anna Kirkpatrick is joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Your new book is out there right now. It's called A Full Plate. Now, to me, based on what I know about it, that sounds like a bit of an understatement. Can you tell me about it? Yes, thank you. My book, A Full Plate, is a compelling collection of real-life stories. While lacking in the experience, I still eagerly purchase a neglected, defunct, completely empty restaurant located in rural Idaho. I divulge numerous mishaps that occurred throughout the course of building my business. I narrate relatable and easy-to-follow accounts of family, customers, and also from my sometimes unusual childhood. So how did the idea to write this come about? What persuaded you to publish it? My sister. <laughs> <laughs> my younger sister, who was hounding me to write this for probably four years. Wow. <laughs> Is this the first book you've published then, the first time you've written? Yes, it's my first book. Congratulations. It's a big deal to have your first one out there. So what's it feel like now to be a published author, having put so much time and energy into it? Well, it's uh, pretty amazing. I was excited and thankful and pretty nervous. Mm. Being a first-time author is pretty intimidating, but fortunately, I have a lot of love and support on my side. Yeah, that's really important. Now, I'm sure that you learned an awful lot. There's so much patience involved in so many things. It's a lot of hard work. Yes. So do you have any words of wisdom now for aspiring authors? I would probably say to, to not quit, of course. And I would say let your own personal thoughts and discover your own words. And like I said, don't quit. 
keep pursuing it. it. It took me 10 plus years to do this. I finished the book, the rough draft in three months and another 10 plus years to finalize the editing and do the polishing. What was the hardest part about the whole process for you? Uh, probably the emotional uh, side of it because these are all relatable stories and real life things that happened to me. And during the time of the ownership of the restaurant, I had to struggle with quite a few emotional happenings. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Were you writing this with a specific audience in mind, a, a target readership? Yes, my target readers cover a wide range, such as entrepreneurs, those who have worked at or patronized a restaurant, parents of teenagers and families struggling with alcoholism, child molestation, or even the tragic death of a young sibling. That's to name a few. Yeah, it sounds like a book a lot of us could get something out of. That's, that's true. Now, looking down the road, do you plan on writing some more, maybe getting another book published? Well, possibly. I'm getting a lot of pressure to write another book, but <laughs> it can't take 10 years because I turned 70 in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to reading, would you call yourself an avid reader? Not so much. And if I do read, I like the nonfiction uh, reading because I like being able to connect personally with the story. And people can do that with the full plate. And I encourage listeners to check it out. Again, it's called A Full Plate by Anna Kirkpatrick. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, everywhere you buy your books. Hey, Anna, thanks again for stopping by the show tonight. I had a really good time talking with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 